are we so weak? That's a good title, isn't it? Why are we so weak? You're probably going to say to yourself, yeah, that's a good question. Why? that miracle and some people struggle and they say you know what how can Jesus actually feed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish and 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 they struggle um and with that and the thing is you know the, the the devil himself Satan has no problems with that himself because when Satan was tempting Jesus in the desert, he said to Jesus, if you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. If you are the son of God, turn these stones. You see, Satan knew that in the Old Testament, God brought water out of a rock. Satan knew that in the Old Testament, God brought manna or bread from heaven. Satan knew that in the Old Testament, a widow was kept alive with some flour and some oil for many days. Satan knew that. So he goes to Jesus and says to Jesus, if you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. What did Jesus reply? Someone you know what Jesus replied? Anyone? Now, everyone knew that, not just you, I'm sure. They were just embarrassed to say it, right? Man shall not live by bread alone, Jesus said. So Satan knew that, um, that, the, that Jesus was able to turn stone into bread. And so we come to the story here in Luke chapter 9. And the first thing we're going to look at is Jesus' priority. Let's look at Jesus' priority right here. You see, in verse, um, um, I believe it's verse 10, the apostles returned. After they've gone out two by two, they were witnessing, they were healing the sick, they were preaching. They returned and they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. These men have been busy in ministry. These men have been busy in preaching and healing and, and witnessing. They've been busy. And, and when they came back to Jesus, Jesus took them to one side. He withdrew away from the crowd, away from ministry. He withdrew. They didn't ask. Jesus just took a hold of them and, and said, come with me, come away from the crowd. Now, this is not only important for preachers and the workers of the gospel. People who preach and teach and who serve, they, they need to have time alone with God. They need to have time alone with God. But it's not just them who need to have time alone with God. Every believer, every Christian must make it an absolute importance in their life to withdraw 
from the crowd, to withdraw from the family, to withdraw and to spend time alone with God. Yeah, I've been looking around at, at different mothers in the church, you know, we've got, we've got Jim's wife Kelly and the little baby um, um, Harper, not Harper, Harvey, Harley, being born, and I, I noticed Jim and, and Kelly spending time, especially Kelly with, with a little one, and I noticed um, Becky with Harper, you know, just, just spending time alone in the middle of the night and early hours of the morning. And I noticed Sarah and, 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 and Joe and, and John spending time with their little ones early hours of the morning. Why? Because there's bonding going on right there between mother and, and father and child. Me and Jim was talking and Jim was saying he's getting old and, and his, his grandson, Jakai, climbs up on top of him and, and he's, he's going to sleep. And, and, and Jim said, Jakai grabs hold of his face and said, Papa, Papa, play. And Jim has to take him and throw him on the couch, you know, and, and he comes back and he gets thrown on the couch. But what's going on there is this bonding thing is going on between, between the two. And it's so important that when you spend time alone with your child, time alone with, with, uh, with your loved one, with your husband or with your wife, there's a bonding going on. That's why it's so important that Christians spend time alone with God. It is so vitally important. You know, I love a hot meal. I don't know what your hot meal like. Your, you might like the lamb roast or the chicken roast. You might go for the fish and chips. You might be talking about jerk chicken and curry coat. Go. I don't know what your meal is like. But just imagine if you have one meal a week. One meal a week. Look at how good it is. It's just still one meal a week. You, be, you won't be a strong person, would you? You'll be coming out every, every morning feeling low and, and weak. You'll be hospitalized. Some of you only come and you have a glass of milk a week on a Sunday morning. That's all you have. You come to church and you say to yourself, I'm going to get my milk today, a glass of milk, and that's going to last me from one Sunday to the next. All I'm going to do is come to church and hear the preacher and that's it. I want to tell you, you cannot survive on one meal a week, let alone the glass of milk a week. And yet so many Christians, so many believers do not withdraw with Christ. So many people just come to church and that's it. But I want to tell you, we need to make it a priority. We need to make it a serious part of our lives when we turn around and say, I need to spend time with the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's so many resources. You've got mobile apps these days. You've got daily bread notes to some on a table. You've got computer-generated readings that can come through to your computer. You've got the Bible reading. I mean, I've got a few books here. If I bought some more um, around, and there's a, a few books here that will help you to read the Bible in one year. And these books are free, so if you want to come up and just take one of them, you're very welcome to. But it's so important. I can't stress enough. Jesus made it his priority. They were out there serving him. And he said, listen, don't carry, don't preach anymore. Don't speak anymore. Just come with me and we're going to spend some time together. 
how important it is. Let me ask you, are you spending time with Christ every single day? But you say to me, yeah, but Jerry, you don't know that kids need feeding and the, the, the husband need looking after and the chores in the house and, the, and, you know, and there's school runs and there's, and there's work and there's and time the day is done, I'm so exhausted, I need to sleep. And the next day comes up and the same thing rolls by. The school run and the, the children needs caring for and, and the wife needs things done in the house. And before the day is done, I'm exhausted. Every day runs on to the next and Christ is squeezed out. Why are so many weak? Because they're living on one meal a day, one meal a week. Sometimes only a glass of milk to keep them going. Jesus made the priority. The disciples didn't ask. Jesus told them, come with me. Come and spend time with me on your own. Okay, let's move on. That's Jesus' priority. Secondly, Jesus' purpose. We read here, um, but the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Jesus had a purpose. He saw the people and he was concerned about their spiritual condition. What did he speak to them about? The Bible says he welcomed them and he spoke to them about the kingdom of God. That is what he spoke to them about. He spoke to them about the kingdom of God. And that's very important. You see, after the resurrection which we looked at last week. After the resurrection, Jesus did not just disappear. The Bible says, and I want you to hear me on this, he spent 40 days, 40 days after his resurrection, he spent 40 days speaking to the disciples. He didn't just, after the resurrection, like we done last week, we had the balloon release, we say, Christ is risen, hallelujah, and then we just carry on in our day. I want to tell you now, Jesus spent nearly a month and a half on the earth after his resurrection. Do you know that? In fact, the Bible tells us very clearly in Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 1, verse 3, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days. Wonderful. The question is, what did he speak about during those 40 days? He appeared to them for 40 days after his resurrection. What did he speak about? That's the question I like to be answered. And we have it in that verse. It says that over a period of time of 40 days, and he spoke about... The kingdom of God. What is, where is the kingdom of God? I want to tell you this morning. The kingdom of God is where Christ rules. That's where the kingdom of God is. When you came in this church this morning, 
whether you're Christian or non-Christian, you came into this church, I want to tell you, this is where the kingdom of God resides. Because Christ reigns in this place. If you're a Christian this morning, a born-again Christian this morning, if you are a Christian this morning, then the kingdom of God reigns in your life. Wherever Christ rules, wherever Christ has his kingdom, that is where the kingdom of God is. And so, it's amazing how many people tend to come to church only when we have a shared lunch. You know, we have a shared lunch here and, man, people turn up. Especially when they see, you know, Jeff Cunningham bringing some big, huge cakes from the cake shop. You know, and they go, oh, we're going to get a slice of that. Or when Candice makes some of her Caribbean chicken or spiced food, oh, we need to come and get a bit of that. And there's a number of people who tend to come to church only when we're having a shared lunch. Tell me where the shared lunch is on and I'll be there. Listen to what the Bible says. Okay, that's the wrong verse. <laughs> I wish I had the right verse up there. 14.17. Let's go to um, Acts 14. Sorry, Romans 14.17. Romans 14, verse 17. Look what it says. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. Many people think that the kingdom of God is all about me. What I can get out from God's kingdom. But the Bible says no. The kingdom of God is not about that. It's about these three things. It's about righteousness. It's about peace. And it's about joy. Let me explain it to you. The Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is working and moving in a church, when the Holy Spirit is working and moving in your heart, he produces in you a righteousness that you cannot have on your own. In fact, your righteousness, the good things that you do, are completely and totally useless. God doesn't want your righteousness, but when the Holy Spirit comes... When God, the Spirit of God, begins to move in your heart, he begins to give you a righteousness that's not your own, but belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. That is his righteousness that is imputed, that is given to you. So when you leave at this church, you might leave with your own righteousness, thinking, oh, I'm such a bad Christian, I keep on doing things wrong, I keep on sinning, but you come to church and the Spirit of God comes upon you and you realize that it's His righteousness that you're standing in. Praise be to God. I heard a story of a, of a man who was in the countryside, he was walking and he went into a church and when he went into this church he realized a funeral was going on in this church. And he looked in and there was no one there. There was the coffin. There was the preacher at the front. And there was one man sitting at the front of the church. And he thought, that's really bad. This person dies and no one? Is that their funeral? 
I better go and sit, sit in just to, just to you know, pay my, my respect. So he went in and he sat down. And he heard about the lady's life. And he heard about the lady's story. And he just listened to the funeral. When he got up, when the funeral ended, he got up and he was going out the door, walking out the door. And this man who was sitting on the front came running up to him and stopped him. Excuse me, sir, he said. Thanks for coming to the funeral. Because I'm the lawyer. And the lady who died made one request. She said, I leave all my earthly estate, and she was a millionaire herself, to the person who comes to my funeral. And the guy turned around and said, but I didn't do anything. I didn't even know the lady. And he goes, no, that was in her will. So can you come back in, sir? We can sign the papers and we can bring all of her estate over to you. Simply because she made a will. Nothing to do with him. Nothing to do with his ability or with his standing. She made a will. And that was it. And I want to tell you this morning, your righteousness is useless. You can do nothing to get God's righteousness at all. But God has said, whoever trusts in my son, the Lord Jesus Christ, all of his perfection, all of his righteousness is yours. And you say, but I didn't do anything. All I did was got on my knees and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Cleanse me. I didn't do anything. And you have the righteousness of Christ. That is the power of the Holy Spirit. But only that, you get righteousness. The Bible says the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God is not about eating or drinking, but it's about righteousness and peace. Peace. When the Holy Spirit moves in your life, I want to tell you, he breaks down the wall of hostility between you and God. He breaks down the wall of separation between you and God. Once you was God's enemy. Once you was an object of God's anger. But God says no more. I'm going to bring peace into your life. Some of you might see the news where President Obama shakes hands with the Cuban President Castro. They shake hands. 50 years. 50 years of hostility. 50 years of America being against Cuba and Cuba being against America. 50 years of hostility ended as these two men shook hands. The wall of hostility was broken down and there was peace. They could have a conversation. They could have a, 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 a mutual understanding. I want to tell you this morning. When the Holy Spirit comes into your life, he breaks down the walls of hostility and you can have a conversation with God. You can begin to cry out, Abba, Father, in your prayers. You can begin to cry out, oh God, hear me. And God will turn his ear and listen to you. I was with a man the other week and he said, you know, I can speak to so many people, so many young people. He's a youth worker in Walthamstow. And he said, I can speak to so many young people trying to get them out of gangs and trying to get them, they don't listen to me. But do you know what? When I speak to God in prayer, he listens to me. When I speak to God, maybe man might not listen to me, but when I speak to God Almighty, he turns his ear and he inclines his ear to me and he hears my voice. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is able to bring that peace 
Hostility is broken down. The avenue is open up and you can speak to the living God yourself. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. And finally, joy. Knowing, if you truly know the two things that I have been speaking about, if you truly know righteousness, if you truly know that peace, there's only one response, and that's joy. Joy, 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 joy full of glory. Joy unspeakable. If you know that you have peace with God, if you know that you're righteous, you will walk out of that church saying, I'm full of joy. Because God has done a mighty work in my life. Hallelujah. No matter how awful things get in your life, and they will sometimes get awful. Sometimes they will look black and bleak and miserable. No matter how bad things get, you can look at what Christ has done in his kingdom. The righteousness that is yours. The joy that is yours. And you can say, praise be to God. I have joy. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. But it's a matter of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, in the Holy Spirit. But not only that, that's only part of the kingdom of God. Look what also what the kingdom of God's about. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Oh, I wish I had time to preach on this longer. The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. And when Jesus spoke to the disciples, he said to them, but you will receive what? What did he say? You will receive? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. That's what you will be. You will receive power because the kingdom of God is not about talking about things. It's about doing. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. You will be able to speak about me. And everything you do will point towards me. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That is what the kingdom of God is about. It's about righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. And power by the Spirit of God. That's the kingdom of God. And as you come and draw into this church, you need to come expecting your lives to be changed by the power of God. But let me finish this stuff then off by just um, looking at the last point. Jesus' power. We look at Jesus' priority, his purpose, and now his power. Now Jesus now moves to demonstrate the kingdom of God. He's been speaking about the kingdom of God. Now he moves to demonstrate the kingdom of God. Remember what I said. The kingdom of God is not about talking. Many religions, many leaders love to talk. You've got Buddha Love to talk. You've got Gandhi out there. He loves to, to tell how to change society by his principles. You've got Muhammad out there. He's out there telling everybody how to change by following Islam and Allah. You have the starters of Mormonism and, and Jehovah's Witnesses bringing out the Book of Mormons and Watchtower 
talk, 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 talk. Jesus said, listen, come to me. I'm bringing you my kingdom. And my kingdom is not about talk. My kingdom is different. I'm not bringing a new religion. I'm not bringing a new concept. I'm not bringing a new idea. I'm bringing in a kingdom that is not about talking, but it's about power. And so Jesus goes to the disciples, says, disciples, you know, all these people out there, you feed them. And they said, Lord, we couldn't buy enough bread to feed 5,000 men. Jesus already knew what he was going to do. And so we read the Bible, we read the verses, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketful of broken pieces that were left over. Listen, I said in the beginning of my message, Satan said to Jesus, if you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Jesus refused. Why did he refuse? He didn't come to serve himself. He didn't come to say, okay, let me make this stone into bread so I can feed myself and serve myself. No, the reason why Jesus Christ came is not to serve himself, It's not to feed himself. He came to feed others. And the demonstration that we have here is that he fed 5,000 people. He wasn't concerned about himself. He was concerned about others. And this is what he says. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is what Christ has come to do. He didn't come for men to serve him. Like we see the other religions and the other leaders, they seem to have so many people running around them and serving them and bowing to them and scraping to them and making sure that they have everything that they need. We have so many religious leaders who seem to have harems and and women and wives after wife after wife. Check them out yourself. Look at the history of these religious leaders. They seem to be serving themselves. But Jesus said, I have come that they not to be served, but to serve. And to give my life as a ransom. And as Jesus broke the bread and gave out, as he broke the pieces and he gave it out to the disciples to give to the people. As he broke the bread, there was, a, a, there was a, an imagery happening. Jesus was saying, I'm going to be broken. And my body is going to be broken. And I'm going to die for the sins of men and women. I'm going to give myself for others. That was what Christ has done. So the kingdom of God... It's not about eating. It's not about drinking. The kingdom of God is not about yourself. Getting what you want out of life. I, 
heard in America of a, a preacher who decided to ask his church to buy him an airplane. He said, I need 65 million pounds. What foolishness. The kingdom of God is not about how you can look after your flesh. The kingdom of God is about righteousness. You've been changed to look like Christ. It's about peace. You having a relationship with God that is undefiled. The wall of hostility is broken down. There's joy in your life and there's power to give testimony and to witness and to point people through prayer and through wonders and God's mighty acts in your life pointing people to the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the kingdom of God. Are you in that kingdom this morning? Is he ruling in your heart this morning? Because where the king rules that is where his kingdom abides. We pray that prayer don't we? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Then we say, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May God's will be done in our lives as it is done in heaven. May God's kingdom come in our lives as we seek it to come in that prayer. That God will do a transformation in us. As we draw close to him. Let's pray.